My name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. School, school for the dogs, for the dogs. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. Hello, folks. Thank you for being here. I am here with Brandy Barker, who has the world's best last name if you're into dogs. <laughs> and um, Brandy, uh, who is joining us from Chicago, I believe, right? I actually moved to Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. From Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Why don't you tell tell us about your amazing product and then we can... Uh, we can go from there. Okay, sounds good. So it's called Bark Pouch and it's dog treats in a pouch. Everything is human grade and um, we. It, I try to keep the ingredients really minimal and I have multiple sizes. I have multiple. Wait, hold sure. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but explain. Course. let's explain what a pouch is because gotcha. pouch has different meanings. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So you want me to start over then? No, no, no. Just okay. go ahead. Okay. So it's, um, it's dog treats in a pouch. So if you've ever seen the pouches, um, applesauce pouches or the yogurt pouches that kids eat from, it's basically like a paste type consistency that you just hold down, uh, for your dog and squeeze a tiny bit. They lick straight from the pouch. So it's, I really designed them for walking and training just to make that process easier for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, what's funny is I have a toddler, but I feel like my first uh, experience of, and she eats now from these kinds of pouches all the time, but I feel like my first um, exposure to this kind of pouch was through Bark Pouch. (laughs) And then I was like, oh wait, they they make these for children too. (laughs) It's always the dogs, right? Um, And actually some of the ones that they make for children, I think you can also use for dogs. Um, But um, yeah, so uh, we've been carrying um, your product for several years now and um, they are so genius because they're lickable. Yes. And as trainers, uh, we are very into treats that can be licked straight from the container for for so many reasons. One reason that I think um, that people might not think about is when you're working with dogs all the time, as, as so many of us are, uh, your hands get really gross and your pockets mm-hmm. get really gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So having something that uh, can simply be uh, given straight from the container into a dog's mouth is great. Love using it for, um, especially outside. Yes. Um, Love using it for stuff like muzzle training. um, So many reasons. Uh, And recently, um, 
we have been selling uh, so many more bark pouches before because they used to have to be um, stored frozen and then put in the refrigerator <laughs> after use. But by some uh, magic of production, they are now shelf stable as of a few months ago. And um, so we've been shipping them all over all over the country. Um so let's back up a little bit. Um, your background is is as a dog trainer, am I right? Yes, yes. I was a so, dog trainer in Chicago for 15 years. So tell me how, how you became a dog trainer, because as we know, there is no one path. <laughs> so it was, I had the world's worst behaved dog, but I mm. adored him. And he was, um, he was attacked by two dogs. And his high energy, rambunctious ways re- just changed to dog reactivity. And I had. Was he attacked in like a dog park situation? He was or? attacked. Two dogs pulled their owner towards him and she couldn't control. She couldn't mm. control them. And, you know, it was it was noisy. He didn't get physically hurt. But it was, it changed him and he became dog reactive. And I lived in downtown Chicago and, you know, every trainer I called at the time, I mean, this was years ago. So I called multiple trainers and they told me that they could help me, but they were going to put a shock collar on him. And I didn't know anything about dog training at the time. I just knew that I refused to put a shock collar on my dog. So found the Anti-Cruelty Society and started taking you know, growl classes with him and, you know, it made me, you know, that, that's interesting. Before I knew it, before I knew anything about dog training too, there was, uh, uh, I won't name names, but I, I was staying at someone's house and they were training their dog to have it, a, a, a shock collar on with an electric fence. Oh. And, uh, and the, in part of that is often like dragging the dog through the electric fence mm-hmm. until they, and I was just like, no, <laughs> but it, wasn't, it wasn't like some like grand ethical idea no. that I had. And it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, there must be a better way. I was just like, no, I'm just not going to shock my dog. Like I, I no judgment on you, but not yeah. doing that to my, anyway. Yeah. Um, you said you took gra- growl classes. Yeah, you said? So I've never were- heard of that. What is that? So they're basically just, you know, two, four dogs in, in one room behind screens and, you know, in different corners, just learning how to walk out and then walk back in and, you know, the turns and the redirection and the, you know, alternative behaviors. And, you know, I eventually graduated with him to real adult class, you know, regular adult classes. I, I think that's like our, we have, we have a cl- class called Sidewalk Psychos. That's what yeah. It sounds okay. A bit like. So, yeah. So it's, it was really just trying to get him acclimated around other dogs in controlled settings. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I fell in love with what training did for the two of us mm-hmm. and I was in HR at the time. So I just, at the time I, I, my experience was dog trainers didn't necessarily love people. They were really good with dogs. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that a stereotype? That <laughs> And I, I really love both. So I thought, well, hmm, maybe I can use my HR background and combine it with dog training. And I remember when I went to one of the trainers and declared my, my intent to become a dog trainer, 
you know, she was so kind, but the look on her face was hysterical because it was just like, whoa, you're handling Like you could just see, she was like, you're handling skills. Oh, you have a lot of work. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Work, you know, and I ended up getting a master's degree in animal behavior too. Oh, wow. Um, Where did you go? uh, DePaul University. Um, It was, you know, I just, I wanted to do everything right. And I spent years and years training dogs before I even considered opening a business because I just, I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure I understood all the intricacies of dog behavior because there's just so much that you can, you can do incorrectly and, and damage, you know, do, do more harm than good, even though your intentions are good. So you opened up your own, your own business in in Chicago. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm assuming that this, uh, uh, this led you to think about dog uh, dog treats that could be licked, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. I spent years, you know, I, I was always on the hunt for the, the perfect treat because I did, I did, I did a lot of reactive, I worked with a lot of reactive dogs because I just, you know, I mean, a lot of dogs, I mean, you know, a lot of dogs in urban environments, that's their only exercise is, is leash walks. And that's, you know, when, when you're working with a reactive dog, it's, you know, and that's their only exercise. It can, it can get a little tricky. So, you know, I, I just really, I had a hard time watching my clients struggle with, you know, the timing of trying to dig treats out of their pockets and then they're dropping treats on the ground or their dogs are biting their fingers or their dogs were licking, you know, it, refusing treats. And it just, I, I, they couldn't focus on what they were trying to focus on. And that was learning and trying to teach their dogs. So I just wanted to make the treating process easy for them so they could focus on what they were trying to focus on, listening to me, their trainer and paying attention to their dogs and paying attention to their surroundings and trying to teach at the same time, which is all a lot for people to, to deal with without digging for hot dogs out of their pockets. So did you just start experimenting in your, in your kitchen? I did. Yeah. And some of the concoctions I came up with, you know, I mean, the nice thing was I had, you know, I had lots of willing taste testers because, you know, my client roster and I tell you what, some of the concoctions I came up with were, you know, I think the stinkiest, grossest one that nobody would touch was uh, sardines and pumpkin. Just literally those two. (laughs) (laughs) Did the dogs like it? Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm trying to keep it healthy. <laughs> well, canned pumpkin um, without sugar in it is is uh, an easy treat to get mm-hmm. in the supermarket <laughs> to give to dogs. Uh, I don't know about um, pulverized sardines. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess one could put them in a blender and and go yes. that route. Yes. Uh, but the two of them combined were were not a hit with anybody, and and I really had a hard time making them because the combination of the two in a food processor it was just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that didn't work. <laughs> what came next then? So the the what came next was the sardines and cream cheese because I was using a lot of cheese in in my training and you know, cream cheese is pretty, pretty yummy. And I wanted to add, you know, we were, when, when we, when I first launched, I had two business partners um, and, you know, their life, 
family life just changed. So we parted ways a couple years ago and, you know, amicably, of course. But so when I say we, I'm talking of the two of them, you know, we, we really tried to keep things as healthy as possible. Um, that has man has changed over the years. You know, I do have one recipe that is healthy, but, um, the sardines and cream cheese was next. And, you know, we tried really hard to make it palatable for people. So it's mostly cream cheese to kind of mask the smell of sardines. And then the salmon ricotta came along the same time. And that's mostly salmon to try to keep it as low fat and, you know, trying to keep it in the healthier category as possible, though I don't claim any of them are quote unquote healthy except for the turkey and chicken. Okay. Well, they might not be quote unquote healthy, but any treat should be making up a minority of whatever your dog is eating, right? Yes, so, yes, yes. Um, yeah, but the salmon is low fat and the turkey is low fat. So I try to have kind of something for everyone, um, you know, because I recognize too that if people are treating a lot that they want to really keep, because sometimes they're really conscious of the calorie content and what mm-hmm. they're feeding the dogs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and your first ones had to be refrigerated, right? They, they had to be frozen, um, before use, which as you know, because you were ordering with all the dry, when, when I had to ship dry ice, it's, you know, it was cumbersome and I, I can't even imagine trying to get dry ice right now with, with the COVID vaccines. Like it was, I would, when I was shipping with dry ice, I would have to sometimes go to three different stores to get it um, because it was really hard to get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just didn't like what it did to the environment and all that fun stuff. So it took me about six years to make the product shelf stable the right way. Um, but it finally happened last year and it was, I, I can't tell you how excited I am that, <laughs> that I was finally able to do it. What is what is difficult about making something shelf stable? I mean, I, I know nothing about this, and I'm guessing you you went in knowing very little too. I, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's you know when because the products because you're not baking the products, you know they had had to keep that kind of paste like consistency. Um, you know, finding an ingredient to keep them fresh without adding, you know, something you know, I actually had a food scientist actually say to me that she had a a great experimental chemical that would work in my product. And I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, no, (laughs) there's no way. So just finding the right ingredient to make, um, to lower the pH so that it's, you know, it's, it's safe, safe at room temperature for long periods of time once it's sealed off was just, was just really tricky. And then the second piece to it was, keeping the taste palatable. A lot of the ingredients that I tested tasted like straight up vinegar and, you know, no dog would touch that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I did lots of testing with it and had lots of, you know, my sister's dog who eat anything like the dog would eat cardboard. I'm sure if you let him, he turned his nose up to a couple of the ingredients and then just, you know, getting, making sure the process is, is, 100% 100% consistent no matter what. Um, so it's, you know, it was, it, once I found the right food scientist, it all just kind of, it, it kind of flowed really nicely. But ju- but the, the process of finding that food scientist took me at least a couple years. What kind of, uh, what kind of feedback do you get from, from clients? 
Right now, I am ecstatic because I literally just get pictures of dogs eating pouches and people telling me that it's, you know, it's making their training that much easier and their dogs love the flavors. And it, that makes me so happy because, you know, that's the whole purpose of, of why I, why I do what I do is I just, I want to make people's lives easier. And that's literally the emails I get right now. It's just cute picture. I get to see cute pictures of dogs eating my product and it makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can tell you when my dog uh, was dying, sadly, I was able to, it, it was one of the few things that he would eat and I would put, Aww. put his pills in um, little, little, what do you call it? I don't know, like droplets, <laughs> not, the, yeah. not the right word, little blubs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A blanket. Like a blub. <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, of, of bark pouch stuff. Um and uh, so are you are you still training or is this now your full-time your full-time thing? I am not training. I gave up training probably about three years ago. I still do own my training business in Chicago and have a trainer that's seeing clients there. but you know this is the majority of what I'm spending my time on right now. And uh, you have three flavors, is that right? I have five. Oh actually. five. okay, what are they? That, yes. Do we so do the, we carry five or do we carry three? I'm not even. You sure. carry the two that the the two I call them for lack of better terminology and PR people would probably cringe hearing me say this, but they're stinky. You carry the stinkier, higher value ones. Um, so there's there's peanut butter and blueberries, which I say is really good for you know like the labs who like who are like oh look everything because I don't want to encourage dogs to bite the pouch. Um, it's also good for puppies, and then I've got my two low fat blends: the salmon and ricotta, and the turkey and chicken. And then um, you carry the the higher the really high value ones that are good for dogs that will often turn their nose up to other treats, and that's the beef and liverwurst and the sardines and cream cheese. Okay. Uh, maybe we should be carrying all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did at one point, but you know, it, it, those are the two, those are my two popular ones with, with trainers just because they're the stinkiest. <laughs> are there any similar products on the market that you recommend or don't recommend? There's, you know, when I put together my business plan, there's, there's, I mean, the closest thing out there would be like the, like the lean licks or, or what have you, but those, you know, that's more like a deodorant type consistency. Oh yeah. You know, when the lean licks first came out, I was really excited about them, Yeah. but um, I actually just ordered one recently from one of the places we buy from for our shop. Just, I bought like one just to try it and now they're made by a company there. I think they're made by the same company that makes like Himalayan chews, um, which we order all the time. And they, they're now they're in this, um, yeah, they're, they're like hard deodorant, but now they come in a pack or a, a tube that also has a clicker attached to it. And you okay. can put dog poop uh, bags in the container too. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. Like clicker, like bag of, uh, I mean, roll of poop bags, licking treat, like, that's they've they've got it all in one little handy thing now got to try it but it um like the amount of product in it was like negligible and uh it was just like this sort of dry jelly stuff that like broke broke up it fell out and it was 
it was really disappointing. Um, so I don't know if they changed the formula or I think even even way back when it they kind of like used to dry out pretty quickly. There was also um, what was it called? Uh, lickety sticks. Do you remember lickety yes, sticks? Yes, yes, yes. Those were like wet deodorant, roll on yeah. deodorant, and uh, I don't think they were. I don't think that what was in the product was super high quality stuff, but. Oh no, it was literally just that. that I'm glad you brought that one in because that was another one that I was like, it's, I mean, you, the ingredients literally, it was nothing but chemicals. Yeah. But that was a cool product in the, in that it was something that hi, was. Baby. Oh, hi baby. I'm on the phone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, that was a cool product because the dog could just lick the end. Have you ever thought of making something more liquidy like, like that? No, because, you know, at this point in time, just trying to procure the packaging for my products is extensive work mm -hmm, <laughs> because mm -hmm. everybody's starting to put things in pouches. So. Is that true? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, I've been testing a few new vendors products the last the last couple of weeks because I'm almost out and it's just, you know, the, the growing need for pouches is is really tremendous and you know mine have to go through a lot of temperature changes as part of the sterilization process so not all of them can withstand that um oh my god so why yeah. is there a growing need of pouches like have have people stopped chewing things <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of companies are just looking at it as an opportunity you know like beauty products and pouches and you know different types you know different types of you know, portable food and pouches for, you know, people that camp and hike and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a little difficult right now to procure those. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, well, it, well then maybe the deodorant roll-on style lickety stick would be easier to procure because I, I don't see people selling food in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. What I what I've learned in the past year is you know I invent you know figuring out inventory and shipping and all of that is was a little more work than I had planned. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it, my my goal by the end of the year would be to to introduce another ten flavors, and then my goal in the next two years is I actually have a proprietary designed pouch that is specific to dogs and it's it's patented and everything and there's just some things that that i think would be better suited for dogs in my design versus what's actually on the market and i hope by then food science will have caught up with what i would desire because i would actually like for the pouch to be if not biodegradable then recyclable because a lot of there's the science just it's not possible at this particular time you know to keep food safe in that type of package but i hope by the time i can roll mine out it will be because i really would like to make it super earth friendly right right neat uh okay well um this has been really interesting thanks a lot for taking the time um besides storeforthedogs.com uh, or our shop where can people get bark pouches? Are they sold in other brick and mortar stores or um, is online best right now? 
online is best right now. I'm still trying to get my costs down, so I'm really not taking on any new wholesale customers at the at this point. Um, so I, my website, barkpouch.com, is a great alternative to, to your website. Awesome. And you're on Instagram too, right? I am, yes. Uh, where can people find you there? Uh, at Bark Pouch on both Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much, Brandy. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you, Annie. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com, and you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.